Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome back to Agile 2019 here in the Leading Agile booth. We've been doing interviews all week long with speakers and thought leaders, and this is the very last one with the closing keynote. Woohoo! Portia Tung. Yes. Is that good? Hello, Dave. All good. I'm trying. We're friends. Okay. So the talk you're going to give tomorrow morning is called Playful Leadership, How to Enable Transformational Change and Have Fun Doing It. Absolutely. So you go into companies and teach people how to play. Well, you know, I have this thing about the word teaching. I think I share ways of thinking and techniques of how to play. Um, I also embed a lot of that play science naturally within the work. So it's more probably playfulness that they experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. So can you give an example of what somebody would... Yeah, I've got a great go well, through in one yeah, of your I've got a story. So for the sort of fifteen years I've been doing agile in organizations, um, I'd always had this theory that we could test the system to see how we could make Agile grow without okay. actually doing Agile. So um, about three years ago, uh, I learned to play with the ukulele. Okay. Um, so I say play with deliberately because I don't play it. I play with it and uh, do a best effort and have fun. Okay. So I thought, ooh, if an organization could sustain a ukulele lunchtime club, okay, that is a big deal because it takes yeah. courage uh, to sing. And in particular, my criteria was actually to run it in a public place. Okay. Where colleagues would see them uh, and that it would be allowed to grow and, you know, just happen. And last year I found this company. They seem pretty wow. open. They had, um, they have more Slack group channels uh, than employees. So than more than one per employee. That it was amazing. Like they need more so work like, to do. Okay. I'm just, but it's lovely because they all have the little tribes and then they don't all just sit there and watch the Slack channels. They all, you know, have their okay. passion. Anyway, so I started the Slack channel and I, you know, did a call to action and, um, and people showed up. And so once a week, we would rock up at sort of 12 o'clock at lunchtime. Okay. People would bring their ukuleles. Some people who had never played before. Um, I'd bring the song books. And then we'd basically call out the song, you know, be it ABBA, Presley, Beatles. Right. And it was a great songbook. Um, and then we just flick the pages and then we'd just sing. And I don't know. Do you know much about the ukulele, Dave? I play guitar. Oh, right. Excellent. I bought my daughter a ukulele. Yeah. So the thing is, uh, I'm it's not... really easy to play. Yeah. That's it, right? Four strings and not steel strings. So it doesn't like yeah. burn your fingers and you've got soft fingertips. Um, so that that's the thing. It's so accessible. And nobody takes themselves seriously when you play the ukulele. Okay. Because it would just be foolish. So how... How big a part of it is that, that, it, that they're able to do something where they don't have to take themselves seriously? Indeed. Well, hang on. So what, okay. what was interesting was when I sent out this call to action, I also kind of talked to what they call um, uh, catalysts. So instead of agile okay. coaches, they have these catalysts. So right. therefore, they're not just specific to agile. They could do different okay. things. Um, so I've mentioned to a few of them, just thought I'd start this ukulele club, you know, if you're interested or you have friends who'd like to come, just let them know yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I asked everybody, not just the catalysts, but on the first one, the on inauguration jam, they were the ones who showed up. And I thought, you know what? That's awesome. Those are the right people doing the job. So yeah. this is like a, such a different way of sensing a system. Um, and then they would carry on coming regularly. And then, of course, they would bring people that they were coaching in their teams. Okay. And then people who weren't coaches or catalysts would come. And I would know that they were like the 
the leaders of their tribe, right? Because right? right. it takes real guts to sort of sit there and know, have colleagues walk past you at lunchtime to yeah. kind of, you know, do whatever. But if you've got those catalysts, it sends a message to the rest of the organization. Yeah, that we are prepared to be seen. And I think that yeah. that's really one of the key attributes of, of a playful leader is actually being real. Okay. And it doesn't matter what, what you do and what you look like as long as you are just feeling you. Okay. And that, that that's builds trust. Okay. So what is the what is the playful thing going to un- unlock? I mean, if you've got a very traditional-minded leader. Yeah. Um, used to managing by control or something like sure. that. You're trying to you're introducing these things to them. What what what's what are they going to get out of it? Yeah, so the key thing with play is that true play is safe play. Okay. Fair play okay. and being a good sport. Okay. So these are three concepts that most of us, three rules if you like. I'm about playing Risk with my family and it's never that. (laughs) It's not safe, it's not fair, and we just crush each other. Okay. Very competitive. So the question is, is that true play? I don't know. I mean, in some for whoever wins, maybe. It feels like playing for the rest Ah, of us. It's just a beating. Yeah. um, So I would say that uh, that probably isn't true play. Because the moment the winning overrides the enjoyment... Okay. It becomes competition. Okay. Yeah. So this is why it's so interesting when we look at that from a leadership perspective, because it reminded me so much of, you know, the here is a game I can play. Yeah. This is, you know, safe play. It's going to be fair play. So you're going to give me feedback, but you know what? I'm going to give you feedback too, because okay. play is about equality and it levels literally the playing field. You know, it's no longer hierarchical. It's just two people interacting. Collaborating together. Yeah. It's okay. collaboration. Um, and I think, Leaders find that refreshing. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's, a lot of it is also in the behaviors um, of, you know, how people embody and show up with play. And help each other. Absolutely. So it is similar to improv. I mean, Jesse mentioned Oh, absolutely. Yesterday. I'd say an improv is an implementation of play, of course. Okay. Yeah. And um, one of the things I'd say, which is quite interesting for play that people seem drawn to, is there's something called the play cycle. Okay. Yeah, so they've so experts have studied how children play and they've yeah. kind of said, Okay, well what does it look like when we get into play? So the first stage is something called Metalude. Okay. So imagine, you know, you might you might be going to an arcade or somewhere and you're kinda of just scouting which machine am I gonna play right. today? That's called Metalude and you're just busy okay. thinking about what would I like to do today? But once you've got that, you will then issue something called a play cue. Okay. Right? Just like improv, yeah. you make an offer. And when you issue a play cue, that's usually to uh, somebody else if you're playing together. Okay. So, for example, when you got in touch with me to say, would you like to do a podcast? That was a cue. Okay. And then what I did was receive the cue. Okay. And once you have that, you're then in flow. Okay. And that's how the play get started and continues okay. and the word flow is so interesting of course because that's how you know uh, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi's flow work right um, you know his theories um, actually come from having observed uh, a lot of adults talk about how they get into flow okay and many of them were in play wow. so the ingredients are yeah just incredible so, so we might be doing it already and not even yeah aware we're doing of it. it yes absolutely okay. and it, it seems like you you must be super playful to be doing this Right, because if if the stress so, yeah. if the stress overrode the joy, you wouldn't be doing it for so many years. No, but the joy is the learning, Absolutely. and I get to meet new people like yeah. you, and, and it's just fun. And it was a hobby, you said at the beginning. Yeah, I started. That's doing how you know it's a real passion. And then yeah. you know, and that's the other thing with flow, right? They talk about something called um, uh, an autotelic uh, personality, okay. and that's the idea that actually you're so motivated for doing it for doing its sake. Yes. That it overrides the end goal. 
But that's exactly how you get to the end goal and maybe even exceed it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's play awesome. is really interesting. Okay. Oh, uh, but we were talking about that cycle. And once you've actually done the handshake, yes. um, what happens when we're done? Well, when we're done, it's called annihilation. Really? Isn't that such is a that strong... Is that what it's really called? Yeah. It's such that a strong That sounds like word. board games in my family. Right. Yeah. But it's like we're done. We're finished. But when it's done, you know, the, the ground is raised and we will start the metalude again when you're ready. Okay. Yeah. That's weird that it's called annihilation. Yeah, they're really strong words. And there's just two more things because uh, okay. your, your listeners might be interested in you know how um, maybe when your kids were a little bit younger, it's really obvious. Um, so once you get from the metalude, you kind of know what you're doing. Yeah. And you kind of go, okay, let's shake hands and we'll play. Um, one of them might go, oh, I don't like it that way. It's not perfect, the line. And then, yeah. oh. and that's display. And the okay. way you spell that is D-Y-S-P-L-A-Y. Like anti-play. Yeah. Okay. But actually, it's a perfectly legitimate stage of the process, right? It's like, oh. And then if you wait for long enough as a parent and the child scrunches it up, tears away, and at this point, you know, you just leave them and let them get on with it. Then they might go, then they go, and they'll get another piece of paper and they'll try Start again. Start over again, yeah. And what I think happens too often, right, the role of the manager, the leader, um, and the parent, right, the, so many parallels here, yeah. is they jump in and go, what's wrong, Bob? Yeah. I'll fix it for you. <laughs> or we're still, like Bob, your, what's like wrong with you? I need to see voice. your, I yeah. need to see you for your appraisal. It's like, don't, inter- you know, and what's the next, the final bit? Well, hold on a second. Yeah. So if we see a team that's not delivering, the parallel to that would be, well, just we'll figure it out. Oh, well, no, because um, that's about the goal, right? So they're wedding okay. toward, it depends. It's about offering help. So this is the, actually the, the other step in this process, right? Okay. So if you intervene, yeah. there are ways of intervening. Okay. So if you said, ha, no, uh, how's it going? Yeah. You know, that, that is technically intervention, even though it's inquiry, but that's the, you know, least invasive. Right. That's acceptable, right? Um, but any more than that is actually called annihilation. Ah, it's also annihilation. Sorry, sorry, I beg your pardon. Okay. It's not. It's adulteration. Adulteration. Adulteration, where the adult steps in and spoils the play. Huh. So if a team isn't delivering, I yeah. would say they're probably not in flow. So if they're not in flow, yeah. then you're not interrupting anything. Okay. So that's legitimate. But if they are in flow and doing their thing, and then you step and go, I have an architect to introduce you to. I think he's going to do a much better job than you are. Right. That would be um, adulteration. Okay. Yeah, the words are so powerful, yeah. aren't they? And especially when you associate with something that seems so soft and fluffy as play. But, you know, these, these play researchers and philosophers yeah. and scientists are serious about wow. this cycle. It's interesting. I, there's another coach that I was talking to, and he was saying that he had learned with his team but they were having a problem mm-hmm. he spent a lot of his career wanting to, to kind of jump in but, hey guys you know this thing eh, maybe not so much um, he found it was much more valuable to let them do whatever they can do fail and then come to him because oh. it's a request or they would invite him to be part of it yeah absolutely and I think to do anything less is actually infantilization okay it's this massive assumption that they won't sort it out yeah, or that we yeah. don't have time for them to learn the sort of thing. Absolutely. And okay. I mean, so because I'm also a trained coach, I have found that they, I call it the self-sufficiency principle, but this existed out there already. I just gave it the name. Is that, you know, everyone has everything they need yeah. to overcome the challenges they face. Okay. 
And I remember hearing this is very bumper, car bumper sticker type thing. And I remember hearing this when I was young and I thought, oh, it's a beautiful aspiration. Right. But this is not the world I see in front of me. But as I got into play and then the coaching and watching people grow, and you're a parent, you've seen how children grow. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. When you believe in them, right. then they get it done. Okay. Um, that's because they have those resources, right? And if they're, one of those resources might be ask for help. Yeah. So they'll figure it out. It, yeah. Yeah. This is great. So for you, what is the biggest benefit out of this? I mean, what do you, what do you get out of it when you're helping people learn how to do this? Well, I guess it goes back to why I actually got into play. Okay. So I know it sounds like this kind of glorious, happy, clappy topic. Um, but when I became a parent, you know, you read a lot of books and, yeah. um, and it was the same reason I started the ukulele playing. I read that you can't give what you don't have. Okay. And when I read that, I was like, oh my God, you know, I, I did play music. I did, you know, didn't really play with music because I was told I wasn't musical by a piano teacher at a very young age and <laughs> given up on myself and all that. I'm like, oh. That's terrible. And I thought, exactly, but that was probably adulteration, no? Yeah. And um, so. No, I mean, I'm, unless you were really terrible. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, well, I was a child. I was learning. How can you be terrible when you're a child and you're learning yeah. or an, an adult learning? Um, and when I thought, you know, you, you can't give what you don't have, I was like, wow, that is so profound. You know, it's, it's like yeah. leaders trying to give truth or honesty. They can't possibly give that if they don't believe and trust in themselves yeah. or trust in others. And that's when I started my journey of, okay, well, let's be more congruent and actually okay. acquire and practice what I do. And then that way I can hope to give it because I, I love giving was uh -huh. really what motivated me and as i got more and more into play um have you got what's your earliest memory of play dave wow oh my gi joe gi joe my gi joe when yeah I was yeah yeah traded was... my blanket for a gi joe you traded your blanket for a gi security G. blanket for a gi joe wow was, was there like a specific 17 years old i'm kidding i was like <laughs> three or four and it was a specific G.I. Joe or yeah. the G.I. Joe well there were many yes exactly I believe it was the one with the red beard what fuzzy did, red beard did he have a name G.I. Joe oh okay right okay <laughs> they were all called G.I. Joe oh wow that's that's yeah. confusing but fun at the same time the one with the red beard well they had Kung Fu Grip G.I. Joe but that was much later okay okay so. So you were three or four. Yeah. And so what's really interesting with that question is, um, in general, people tend to remember something from between the ages five to eight. Okay. Um, and what I'm finding is that the more playful people actually right. have an earlier huh. play memory than that. Wow. That's pretty cool. Why, why do you think that is? Well, so this is the thing. It turns out that play is instinctive yeah. so it's innate but it also needs to be nurtured okay. so it's not either or all right right so if you know it's like if you were into drawing and then you keep drawing but at some point your parents go oh that's not very good and you obviously want to want them to love you because yeah. you're smaller you as an organism cause yeah because you're too people pleasing okay um but what was interesting and i will circle around about how how i got to play and why is that um when i was asked that question the first time because i was on a play work training course uh, my memory came from when I was 12 oh that's rough don't tell your parents that they'll feel bad well or whoever yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think you. that that kind of made 12. me 12 man what happened 
Well, we'll come to that. And Maybe it, that's it too turns, personal. Sorry. No, I'm glad we're friends. We're <laughs> friends, right? And you, you know, you issued a cue just now. I can choose whether okay. or not to uh, receive it. And I, and it turns out that if you didn't play enough between the ages of zero to five, yeah. And by play, we include affectionate touch, like hugs. Yeah. Your brain could be up to thirty percent smaller. Wow. So I'm like, okay, right. It's great to have all this information, but oh my goodness me, I wasn't ready yeah. for this search and what it revealed and. What I discovered was that the reason I struggled with parenting early doors was because I couldn't, couldn't remember. remember how to play. Yeah. You know, so all of it was foreign. Wow. Um, and also there was this whole kind of other cultural part as well. So, you know, I was kind of raised Chinese, a little bit American, but, you know, in Hong Kong culture. And then it wasn't until I was 12 when I moved to England. Wow. And I felt liberation. Okay. Yeah, so it was only when I started self-reflecting, okay, let's not be too scared about this. Let's treat everything That's as amazing. data. And by remembering that, yeah. I, I so much more value my friend, my best friend from school because we're still best friends now. Yeah. And I said to her, as I look more and more at this playwork, you used to be my hippie and now I'm my own hippie. Aww. And it's so interesting because by unlocking that memory of the, the 12 where yeah. actually we were I was playing with her and I got like soaky feet and there were slugs on my feet as a result because <laughs> she was into risky play and I okay. was terrified of risky play but true play is also risky play um, you know I played with her and when I thought about okay well hang on a minute it, is it possible that my parents don't love me what what exactly happened and as yeah. we're friends now I, I, I'm happy to share this are you in all of Facebook indeed hello friends <laughs> and um, being real and I realised well no it's not it's not that they didn't love me and they love me still, right. but obviously parents love in a, in a different way. Yeah, in their own wonderful way. way. We all live love each other, and I thought, okay, so it's not that. So what was it? And I started sort of asking this question of, you know, when was when's your earliest play memory? And naturally, the majority of adults would confide me and say, I don't remember my adult or my parents ever playing with me. Wow. And I thought, oh, that's good because i don't either yeah, i don't my memory was me playing with him by myself it was yeah and else. so that's solo play yeah and that makes a lot of sense because when you're very little even up to like the age of one or two sometimes children will sit next to each other but they'll, they'll do their own thing yeah. that's perfectly natural uh you would expect that and it's, it takes a while before they work or to play, play together because yeah. they're exploring the world and solo play is perfectly legitimate um but it was that realization that they didn't play with me. So it wasn't that they didn't love me, yeah. but they didn't play with me. Then I started thinking, okay, what else do I know that can give me some insight? And I thought about Maslow's hierarchy and the basic needs. Yeah. So what they always did was make sure I was clothed and fed, got to bed on time, yeah. went to school, encouraged to get good grades. So they did all of those basics, basic yeah. needs. And even nowadays, when I look around knowing all this now, you know, you go to a restaurant, how many children are sat there with a device and then the parents might even be looking in opposite directions yeah. instead of talking to each other. And this isn't judgment. This is pure observation. And we then wonder why when our children become 18 years old, yeah. that they're worried and talking about suicide because they can't cope with going to university because they spent all their lives playing computer games. Yeah. Because that has nothing to do with computer games. Because if it wasn't the computer games, it would have been something else. Yeah. So I find myself now going into this world of kind of play coaching with for adults who want so much for their children because they love their children they're like how do I reconnect with them and this through is play this is really well connected with the whole self care 
theme this year. Absolutely. This is awesome. Yeah, and play is the ultimate act of self-care. Okay. And when I started looking at um, some key attributes of these, what I call playmakers, who people yeah. who really kind of, they, they don't just change the game, right? They invite everyone along and they make sure they have a good time. Okay. Yeah? Because it does. that's why it doesn't need to be full of pain and, su- and suffering, right? It's like if you have a chronic condition. Yeah. You know, they always, and I have two now, uh, which was part of why I started my wow. play journey. Okay. Um, kind of, and what I realized was actually I can choose to suffer, but actually it's a mindset thing. Yeah. You will feel the pain. Of course you do. But then you're going to decide whether or not what you're going to go, oh, I'm just a victim yeah. and it's all, oh, it's whose fault is it that I have this and what, whatever, right? And I thought, oh, suffering's optional. That's great. At least I have a choice now, but darn it, that makes me responsible now. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome because we started today out with Christopher Avery. Oh, yes, of course. So it's a great yes, connector there. Yeah, play is, okay. yeah, a mi- massive tests and opportunity to practice responsibility. Yeah. So when I was talking about these five kind of attributes that emerge as I observed adults playing yeah um uh the the first one is resourceful okay they're like you know avengers assemble i yeah. love going to techie conferences because if you have any issue with any device there's people to help you yeah you just turn to the next to a person you go hey um what's the wi-fi password yeah you're like great i mean how often can you do that in life i have a yeah. question and someone go yeah no no judgment they just give you the answer yep. um so resourcefulness um and then uh the second one is that they are um responsible okay you know like true playmakers they might make a mess of course that's but messy they'll clean play. It up when they're done yeah they might even like get the vacuum cleaner out and just give it a good once over <laughs> and leave it better see it's so boys and girls scouty isn't yeah. it yeah um you know so they're very responsible so that's why they care about each other and they will double check that we have permission to play okay. before we start okay you know, just like we did we had a chat yeah. together and we had lunch together and we talked about play um so you know that was resourceful that was responsible and then the third one is respectful okay it's so incredible when i've met you know i've gone far to meet adults who play where there's no no it's not about no boundaries but there's no falseness yeah. between us anymore it's almost like you know it's my five-year-old self talking to you, your five-year-old yeah. self and you know what you've got a great toy so I've, I've come to play yeah you know and that respect is is just so fundamental to and you, us and you care for you share and care for each other yeah absolutely yeah. and if you don't then why would you play together yeah right um so that's respect and then the fourth one is resilience okay yeah so i had the opportunity of going to a conference called counterplay so if you've got the chance to go go it's in denmark okay remember denmark is home of lego yeah. and you can fly into billund which is where lego land is okay and it's actually in um, a little further away town called Aarhus. and actually jess sutherland i think still teaches scrum courses okay. there in Aarhus. and it's a beautiful little town and um a young man called matthias paulson he organized this conference called counterplay and it's every other year now and i went there i submitted i thought i'm terrified of this because if i volunteer to talk about play they're gonna realize i'm a fraud but i thought well how else will i know yeah so i submitted and he said yeah come and keynote for us i was like okay well since they're the play (laughs) experts they know best so i rock up and i do my thing you know just terrified because you've got people teaching clowning people doing improv you know all all sorts working for charities doing great work um, they come up to me and go, wow, you've, you've done a great job at like professionalizing it, as in articulating it in corporate so that they will play more. I'm okay. so grateful for that. But at the same time, I learned so much from them about doing movement and dance and exploration. Yeah. But the key thing was one night we, you know, we went out for drinks. And you know how it's like normally with adults and alcohol, right? It's 
Like, I don't know anything about no, that indeed. at all. Uh, well, it's normally not good, Never. clean fun, shall we say. Yes. So we were in this cobbled stone pub in a sort of alleyway sitting out al fresco. And we were doing all sorts of street play and being very noisy and boisterous. And that narrow, that kind of alleyway narrowed in space, but pedestrians still carried on coming over. Now, I, in my experience, if this happened in the UK, then the majority of us who were playing would kind of like give the pedestrian dirty look. Yeah. You pass that. You are, you are in, inter- you know, you yeah, are interrupting you're... our play. Yeah. But you know what these playmakers did? They said, oh, sorry about that. But hey, would you like to come and play with us? <laughs> and then they created space for That's the pedestrians cool. yeah. to walk past. And then an invitation in. to come in, wow. and some of them did, and and the pedestrians were so smiley that you knew they didn't feel threatened or oppressed. And I thought, wow, these are the true maker, playmakers, and this is what play looks and feels like. Yeah. So what if we can create this in a space of, oh, you know, we need to adopt a new methodology, and this right. is what I mean by suffering is optional, okay. and it doesn't even need to be painful because if you look at like the psychology of human development, right? Um, I mean, this is incredible when I found out, but actually. When people have the right conditions to change, yeah, it's easy. It's effortless. When it's not forced upon them, yeah. Hence the choice and personal responsibility. Okay. I'm like, right, great. And now that I know change is easy, then I don't need to be scared about it. So okay. how do we create these right conditions? You know, hence these kind of four attributes. And then the last one is the real. Okay. You, do you remember the story of the vel- velveteen rabbit? Yes. But tell me, what, the what do you remember? Rabbit wanted to be a real. Rabbit, and it was a stuffed toy rabbit, wasn't it? Right, but it, I can't remember the rest. Yeah, I'm and mixing then, it up with one about a teddy bear. Yeah, and um, it turns out that the little boy then ends up loving this rabbit because it had a different toy, and the stuffed toy felt like, oh, I must be real because yeah. the little boy says I'm real. But then the little boy contracts some kind of illness and gets really sick. So the nursery nanny at his home, looking after him, takes this <laughs> rabbit who, who thinks it's real, yeah. puts it in a black bin liner and takes it out, ready to be burned because it must have been some kind of disease. Yeah. And at this point, the bunny rabbit's like, hang on a minute, I, I love my little boy. You know, It's like Toy Story. Yeah. Um, but, but he starts moving, which is unusual for, for a stuffed toy. Yeah. And it's that kind of awakening. And then the fairy comes along and says, oh, little rabbit, what is it you wish for most? And he says, I wish to be real. And um, so the fairy says, yes, that you, you, have, you are deserving of this, of course. So she picks him up and takes him to a nearby field, plonks him in the middle of the field um, and says, you are real now. And these little you know, wild rabbits come along and sniff him. But this time they, they go, oh, yeah, you're real. You can come to play with us. Whereas previously they'd rejected him because they knew he was not okay. right. And of course, that means that he transformed into a live rabbit. I think that story is so profound, right? Because there is a cost to being real, right? Yeah. And that's mortality, you know? He's and it's die, so yeah. profound. But, you know, that, that was his journey of being real. Okay. And for me, in terms of personal development, you know, the psychology of all this is to say we are actually trying to increase our complexity over time. And that's okay. the maturity of a human being. So, for example, someone who hasn't been able to quiet their mind and take up meditation, yeah. but nonetheless, over time, tries to quiet their mind. That is increasing the complexity of your organism okay. because it enables you to do more. Yeah. So if you don't, you know, go all hangry, you know, hungry and angry at the same time and yeah. everybody all the time, but you're better at managing yourself. And then you can be there for others. That's and you awesome. can do so much more, right? Yeah. And I think, oh, that story was so um, poignant. And there's a reason that these children's stories tell us because they, they contain the truths yeah. that 
regular adults who don't play enough couldn't tell us. Well, that's cool. So, um, you're teaching classes on this stuff, right? Yeah. So, playful okay. leadership is a really new concept. And what I'm trying to do is I take the best of play science, psychology, neuroscience, and then the coaching okay. in a goodie bag, uh, shake it all around, and then create an environment where individuals can emerge as themselves okay. and discover what leadership means to them. Because okay. what I realized was that I've always been a reluctant leader because I yeah. didn't just want to read a book and go, oh, well, that's it. I'm going to be a servant leader. Because it's just because you copy something, it's like taking some, borrowing someone else's yeah. shoes and expecting them to fit. It does not work. And I always thought... you your own way with it. Yeah, it really... And it comes back to personal responsibility again yeah. and being real. So um, we ran the first one in July. And what I noticed, and again, you have children, you know this, is that, you know, just given time... I remember once taking my little girl for a swim and she was about six or seven months old and I was obviously over-enthusiastic. And um, I plonked her in the pool and I was like, great, we're going to swim. And she was like, ah, you know, clearly being tortured and letting yeah. me know what was what. And she even managed, she was so unhappy, she managed to kind of scramble with my help to the side of the pool and then she actually climbed out herself. <laughs> and that takes physical strength yeah. and stamina that I didn't even know she had. Yeah. And then she just sat on the side of the pool and looked at me. Wow. Right? And I was like... Okay, so I have some options here. Yeah. The first one that I'm most familiar with, having been inflicted on me, and I'm sure I have done some to others, is JFDI, right? Yeah. I can just grab her because I have brute force, I'm stronger than her, and I can pluck her in and go, well, we're going to dunk you some more until you get used to it. Yeah. Right? Is that not torture? Right? It is. Yeah. But a common parenting technique. Sadly, yeah. Right? So it goes back to being forced to play is punishment, not play. Okay. So I thought, okay, well, this isn't going to work because even if I manage to successfully make her an athlete in, in swimming... As she gets older, she will be stronger than me. Yeah. And we will end up arm wrestling. And she and there will, will beat be, you. Right. But there will be broken arms. Yeah. And I don't want to break anything of okay. my of this love of my life. So I thought, okay, I know. I'm going to show her I'm having such a good time. She'll want to join in. Yeah, right. Because that's the play theory. Yeah. So I was like going there 20 minutes. I was singing. I was moving. I was like, wow, this is tiring. And that's the other thing. So it helped me realize that actually... That kind of true play is exhausting. And that's why parents who are already exhausted don't have the energy yeah. to do it. But ironically, the more you do it, the more energy you get. And okay. then the greater a bond you have with okay. your child. Right? So I did this for 20 minutes. And then she looks at me. No judgment. She's just looking, you know, sussing out, looking at the data. And then she just slides into the pool on her own. And then okay. we get on with it. She got to decide on her own. And at that moment, I thought to myself... That's how change happens. And that happens so much more effectively and efficiently yeah. than adults with fear of water will do. You know, there might be adults who manage to overcome it. Yeah. But some will never overcome it, okay. even when they become real rabbits. Right? Well, that's cool. Yeah. So we're going to we're gonna tear the building down. Oh, yes. <laughs> no worries. I'm, I'm, love I'm to spend time this together. This is the hard thing about that. I love having the conversation. Yeah. At the same time, I'm like hyper aware of all the stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, People that are at the conference are going to get to see you tomorrow morning. Yes. People that aren't at the conference. Yes. Where can they see you? Where can they learn about you? Oh, yes, of classes? course. Um, so we ran the first Playful Leadership Foundation course in um, July. Okay. And where I was getting to is the adults, as they, with each moment that passed, you could see they kind of grew a little bit more. And yeah. by the end of the two days, it was just kind of like... They That's discover awesome. what being themselves and leadership means. And the beauty of this is it is a container, it is an environment, and what you put in is what you get out. So the okay. next one we're running is in October okay. um, in the UK. 
uh, 7th to 8th of October, and it's in this beautiful, kind of almost Jane Austen-y building okay. called Chichley Hall. It's the country home of the Royal Society. Okay. So the society where all the scientists get together. Yeah. Um, but it's a lovely home, and uh, yeah, if you, you or your friends are interested in coming to play, it'd be delightful to play right. again. So where do they go on the interwebs to find uh, it? Yeah, so it's theschoolofplay.org. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. This is a great meeting, and I hope it goes well tomorrow. Yeah, thank you very much, Dave. It was a very Dave. playful day. This was really fun. Thank you. Thanks. And that's it. We're done. Yeah. Thank you for watching all these videos. Thank you to everyone who let me interview them. I have learned a ton in the past couple of days. And thank you for being here to close it out. And thank you today for following his passion this past decade, because we wouldn't have so much wonderful content yes. otherwise. Now, that's playful <laughs> leadership. Thank you. <laughs>